Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. Good morning again. Good to be with you. With the early group. I love this. And I noticed how long the line is for the coffee bar <laughs> and the early group. So, so good to be with you. Well, let's pray just one more time. Well, no, no, this won't be the only time, but let's pray again is what I mean. So, Father, just we ask you to continue to bless this time. We pray that we would continue to experience you in, in newer and deeper ways now in this time. We pray that you would enlighten us to your word. But not only would we understand your word and your heart, but we would experience your heart and your life now. So speak to each one of us. Father, you can do that. To every person in this room, you can speak differently. You can have a different effect because we are your children and you treat us like that. So Father, come and do this now. And we give this time to you under the authority of your son's name and for his glory and credit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of this message is, Why Weary? And this title is both a question and a statement. The statement is, the why weary, which I'll explain. The question is, why weary? So that's what we want to go into. There are a few things that have always kind of been mysterious to me about life. Um, Like, for instance, I can aerate my lawn, I can rake my lawn, I can put new seed in my lawn, I can fertilize my lawn, I can water my lawn, and there are spots where the grass just won't grow. But the grass will grow in the cracks of my driveway. I have never been able to figure out how does that work. It's just kind of a mystery. Also, I kind of wonder, how is it that when I'm not in a good mood, which is not that often, it may be more often than I think, that when I'm not in a good mood, somehow if I walk through the kitchen or walk by a door, my clothes grab the handle. You ever had that? It just kind of yanks you back. Why does that happen when I'm in a bad mood? That's just another mystery of life. I don't really know how that works. Or how about this one? You're needing to buy a car, and you kind of come up with the, the, the make, the brand, the make, the model of the car you want, and all of a sudden, everybody in Colorado Springs is driving that car. Right? You just see it everywhere. You're just going, oh my goodness, I can't believe there's so many of this, this car out here. I, I don't really get how that works, but it does. It's just a mystery. Or when my kids were little, I might buy them a Nerf gun or a Nerf bow and arrow. And before the day was over, they would end up shooting me in the eye. I don't know how that works. It just always happens. It's one of those mysteries. Okay, another one. I will, get, I will have something. And I, and I don't want to lose it, and I don't want it to get broken. So I'll very carefully, very considerately put it somewhere where it can't get lost. And then I can't find it anymore. I, it's just, <laughs> I don't really know how that works. It's just one of those mysteries of life. Okay, so one more. I rarely get stains on my clothes. I just don't usually get a stain on my shirt or my pants. But when I do, and, and Lee gets it out, 
How is it that within 24 hours, I get a stain in that same spot again? I end up dropping something on my shirt or dripping something. It's just mystery of life. In life, there is a lot of mystery. And we typically don't do well with mystery. We, we think there has to be an answer for everything. We strive for an answer. We look for an answer. But Scripture is very clear that life is filled with mystery. It speaks to mystery. L let me show you this. In Psalm 10.1, and then we'll look at 10.13, Psalm 10.1 says, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Right? He's feeling the mystery of God. Where are you? I don't understand this. Or verse 13, why does the wicked man revile God? And why does he say to himself, he won't call me into account? Right? That, that mystery about life of, I, I, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. Or Psalm 13.1, how long, Lord? I mean, how many times have you uttered that? Have I uttered that? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Or verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Scripture is very honest about the struggle of mystery, right? Why? How? So we may more experience this idea of mystery in terms of questions like, why has this person come into my life? Why does everything in my life seem to be on hold right now? Why hasn't God intervened in this situation? Why does this keep happening? And that's how we experience the mystery of life. That's the kind of questions we have in our mind around mystery. And there is mystery in life, one, because of the depth and the complexity of God himself and his heart and his will and the story that he is creating. So Romans 11 Verses 13 and 34 reads, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? So there is the depth of God and His will and His purpose that, of course, is going to be mystery. But there's also the depth of the human heart. And, and, and it, where we really see this is when David is praying in Psalm 139, verse 23, and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So David's going, I don't even know my own thoughts. There are things that are going on. Search me. Know me. Reveal to me what's going on. So, of course, there's mystery that we all experience in this life. You know, there's mystery to the measure, the methods, and the movement of God. The measure, the methods, and the movement of God. Because there are so many things at play with what's happening in the world. So many things we don't see, but there are so many things at play that are going on. You know, you see, you, you read scriptures where it says, this could not happen until these prophecies were fulfilled. Or God could not do this until he moved the heart of this person or that person or a king. So there's so many things at play. There is just mystery in the life that we live. And it is in this space of mystery, the place of why, where we can become weary. Okay, it's in the place of mystery that we become weary, the place of why. So what I want to do is really look at Galatians 9. 
or Galatians 6, verse 9 this morning. This is what we're going to center everything around. And it reads, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I actually spoke on this first, the men's breakfast, um, several weeks ago. And, and as I was putting this together, just out of my own heart, I felt like God said, this is not going to be the only time that you share this message. And so I'm doing it now. But I'm telling you, so much has happened between the men's breakfast and now. And so much more depth that God was showing me. So we want to look at this. Paul was so concerned about becoming weary in doing good that he actually said this twice. He also said it in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. And he repeated himself. He said the same thing because he was so concerned about this idea about believers becoming concerned. And as I think of me, as I think of you, my concern is becoming weary. My first concern is you becoming weary or me. My first concern is not sin. Now, do we wrestle against sin and temptation and evil? Oh, yes, we do. We are all very aware of it in our own life, right? We see it. We fight against it. But the thing is, as a believer, right, we have been given a new heart, and we have been given the Holy Spirit, the life of God in us, so we are sensitive to sin. We're not oblivious to it. We're sensitive. And so we, we really can't sin without some conviction going on, the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin. Now, falling into sin and walking into sin is very serious, but we have a life within us that convicts us of it to say, don't do it, don't go that way. This will turn into death for you, don't. It's interesting that just a few verses above Galatians 6, 9, so the first verse, um, it reads, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Right? So, He's called the body of Christ to say, if you see another brother and sister fall in sin, call them out gently, out of that sin. The Holy Spirit's convicting them, and he's going to convict them through you, so you're going to do that. But what happens when the brothers and sisters become weary, and they do not call each other out of sin? They do not help each other in that way. They lose heart. So this is the warning, and that's why he says what he says in Galatians 6, 9. Don't go weary in doing good. So what I want to do is look at the elements of this verse. We'll put this graphic up. We're going to look at the elements of doing good, harvest, proper time, mystery, becoming weary, and giving up. These are really, really important elements that we have to look at, what they mean and why it is that he puts them in that order. Paul qualifies his concern about becoming weary by saying it's in the realm of doing good, right? Do not become weary in doing good because he's not talking about weary, becoming weary in living a self-centered, self-pleasing, self-strength life. It is by the mercy of God that that wears us out because we have to come to this point of going, God, I, I give up. I can't do this. But he's talking about becoming weary and doing good. So I started thinking, gosh, what is one verse that would describe, define, what does he mean by doing good? Because that, that's a big concept. And where I went to is Philippians 4.8. You've probably heard this before, but Philippians 4.8 is really a definition of what he means by doing good. And here he says, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then the next verse he says, and put them into practice. That's a good definition of doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good, in doing those things. Now, here's the interesting thing is, about this is, doing good is your nature. Doing good as a follower of Christ, as one who has the life of God in him, that's what you do. That's what your calling is, your purpose, your destiny. He's simply saying, don't go weary in being the new person that God has made you to be. Do that. Do that in your life. But our goal is not doing good. This is really important. Our goal is not doing good. Our goal is the harvest, right? We're doing good for in the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, right? Our goal is, always has to be about the harvest. The harvest in this is speaking about the thing that you have a burden for, right? That person, that relationship, this country, the world, a situation, you have a burden for it, a compelling, and that is the harvest you are looking for. I want to see that made right. I want to see that person heal. I want to see this change, right? We, we do the good work for the harvest, not for the sake of doing good works, and that's so incredibly important. I've had guys come up to me over the years and say, you know what, I, um, I, I, I want to be a speaker, I want to be a speaker. I think that's my calling, to be a speaker. And I'll say, why do you want to be a speaker? He goes, I just, I, I just, I love speaking. And it could be here at the church, or it could be, you know, with the noble heart doing these retreats. And I'll, and I'll say, okay, why do you want to be a speaker? What is it about speaking that you are compelled to see happen? And they go, I don't know. I can just speak in anything. I love to speak. And I'll stop right there and say, we're done. We're done talking because you want the good work. You don't, want, you don't even know what the harvest is that God has given you to see. And so we can, do, we can fall into this so easily of making our life about the good, doing the good things instead of what the harvest is that God's put on our heart. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord because you know, because you know, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Right? He's saying you have to know your labor is not in vain in vain. Even if you live in mystery and you're wondering why, why not yet? Why don't I see anything? Is this doing any good? Know that your labor is not in vain. And so putting the graphic back up, you see, we have to not be weary in doing good, but it's about the harvest. But here's the deal. It's about things coming in God's timing, right? In the proper time. Now, let me say, as I do this, I want to say very quickly and very clearly, I know that some of, so many of you carry a harvest in your heart. You do. I know your burden. I know your heart. I, I hear it. I see it. I see it in your eyes. I, I can hear you cry over something that you so badly want that hasn't happened yet. And, and I love that about this church. I love that about all of you. We are a church that cares, walks with God, feels his burden, wants to be part of that. You know, you all, you battle against sin internally and externally, and it is a battle. It is a fight. 
You know, your desire to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Let's talk about the internal battle. Your desire to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh. And you fight for that in your heart and in your life with God. But also your desire to be salt and light in this world. See, I see you do this. We see you do this. So protecting life at every stage. Of calling out harm and evil in public policy and government. And calling forth caring and righteousness and goodness. You're raising up Christian leaders who are grounded in Scripture and understand the time or discerning. We see you doing that. We applaud it. We say, do not grow weary. Stay in it. We know it's a battle. We see you battling against sin, again, internally and externally, but also battling against, battling for life internally and externally, right? Your, your desire to fully experience the life of God within. This is what I love about this church, right? This church is basically about let God fully have his life in you, fully experience it. It's all for you. Don't miss any of this. We, we get called back into this again and again and again, and that's, it's so powerful, and I see you wanting that. And yet your desire to see the life of God in you advance the purposes of Jesus, right? To proclaim the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to see people freed from darkness and captivity, that's a heavy load to bear and, bear, and you do bear it. We all bear it. I love that about you, and I love that about this church. You have been hard, working hard, and your labor has not been in vain. But while the harvest is our goal, there is a qualification. And this is where it gets hard. The qualification is in the proper time, right? That's the qualification for all of this. It's God's timing. It's going back to this Romans verse. Again, let me just read it to you. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of, and knowledge of God, and how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? So let me ask you a question. Who has been his counselor? You have. <laughs> and I have. I can't tell you how many times I've offered God my counsel. God, you really need to be doing this right now. I mean, this is the moment. You need to do this now. We can't wait another moment, I'm sure, as God's saying. So who, who has been my counselor? <laughs> we tend to do that. We, we, we want to counsel God, and yet the mystery is, God, I don't understand your timing. But I know there's a lot at play right now. And oh, the mercy and the kindness and the compassion and the patience of God to let us where we keep counseling him. And he says... Son, daughter, I love you. I don't think you see it all right now. So, this is what I call the waiting on God is proper time. This is what I call the in-due in season time, the why zone, right? This is the zone, the mystery is the why zone. Why? Why is this not happening? Why is this happening? When are you going to show up? That kind of thing. This is the why weariness, both why do we come weary? Because of mystery, we don't understand what's going on. And this is also the why weariness, because we just get weary of that why. The place of our greatest vulnerability, let me say it again, the place of our greatest vulnerability is the space between our greatest burden and need and desire and God's provision, intervention, and resolution. It's the space between those two where we're most vulnerable. 
right? That's where all the whys come in, right there. And that's where the weariness comes in. Mark Buchanan said this, It has power to sever my knowledge about God from my experience of Him and to hold the two apart so that my theology and my reality become irreconcilable. This is the vulnerable place right here, the place of mystery, the place of why. And that's why we become weary. And again, I know that many of you are going through, have gone through some very hard, heavy, heartbreaking things in your life and therefore weariness. You know, something painful has happened to you or someone you love and it hasn't ended yet. That, that place of why, that place of mystery, and it's heavy. Or something that has still not been resolved in your life or in someone you care about or it's been resolved badly and it's that place of mystery, why? And we become weary. Or a past that you can't seem to get free from yet or a future that feels like just too heavy and it's just that place of why. Why? So many things are just on the other side of just a little longer, just a little further, and just a little more. So many things are just on that side right there in our life. So the deterrent to waiting for the harvest in weariness, the, 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 yeah, and becoming, it's becoming disheartened, dispirited, and despondent. It's a deterrent to getting to the harvest. Weariness in doing good sounds something like this. I'm tired of asking. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of, of, of trying. I'm tired of wanting. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of carrying this burden. That's what weariness sounds like. And it's difficult to wait, but it's far more difficult to regret. It's difficult to wait, but it's far more difficult to regret. Because so many things are just on the other side of just another moment, just a little longer, just a little further. So I've told you stories um, before uh, about my oldest daughter and my two boys. When I, when I talked about being up in Glacier National Park and we were canoeing and we lost a canoe, I told you about them. And I, I told you about my boys a little bit more when I talked about rock climbing um, in the Tetons. And I didn't mention much about our youngest daughter, who is, who is now 25. But those stories were years ago. She's very little then. But I want to tell you a story about her when it comes to the, the mystery, uh, being in the mystery zone, the why zone, and getting weary. So when she was in elementary school, she was diagnosed, if you will recognize, as having a learning disorder. And she was put on an IEP, uh, an Individualized Education Plan. And it was very helpful for her, right? It really helped her get through elementary school, middle school, high school. But while she was in high school, one of her teachers said to her, Lacey, you probably shouldn't go to college. You're not going to make it there. It's just not going to work for you. Don't go. Try to pick up a trade, but you, you just don't go to college. You, you're, not, you, you're not qualified. You're not able to go to college. Well, our daughter has fought through a lot of stuff in her life. And she said, I'm going to college. And so, so proud of her. Well, she applies to all these colleges 
and no one accepts her, not one. And what's really painful is all of her friends, all of her friends, they did really well in high school, and they applied to all these colleges. They got accepted to every one of them, you know, and she didn't. But finally, one college, a Christian college, Bethel University in Minneapolis, said, we'll take you. Now, you're going to be on um, academic probation for a year. We're going to, if you don't keep a certain grade level, you're going to have to leave. But, but we love what you said about what you want, why you want to go to college, and about your walk with God. So they invited her. And she fought hard. And she kept just above the threshold, the minimum. Well, at this time, she declared her major, and she wanted to go into social work. And she was struggling with some of the classes. And her academic guidance counselor said to her, you know, we think you probably need to change majors. This is going to be probably a little too difficult for you. So she switched out of social work major to communication, and specifically relational communications. She graduated, actually, with honors from that school. Just such a great thing. So her first job was with a nonprofit in Minneapolis where this nonprofit organization worked with disabled, handicapped to help them find a job, maintain the job, and how to live independently. Now, she was the, the kind of the administrator in the office. Uh, she did that for a while, and then after a while, she was like, I, I want to work with people. This isn't helping me. This isn't working for me. So she ended up working at a, with a florist. And the florist, after a short amount of time, said, man, I want to teach you this trade. You are so good at this. Aesthetically, understanding color and, and you know, all these kind of things. And, uh, and she said, then I want to teach you, how, you know, how to work weddings, this kind of thing. And so she was doing that for quite a while, enjoying it. Uh, but she got to a point where she said, to mom, to, to Lee and I, she said, mom and dad, I can't do another, another winter in Minneapolis. She had been there for quite a few. And if you're from that area, you know how brutal it is. So she decided to move to Northern California, where we have a very close family friend, uh, Redding, California. So she drove out there. I mean, she left her friendship. She left the job. She left all this. She felt like there needed to be a new time in her life, a new season. <clears throat> when she got out there, she thought, gosh, now I, now I have to get a job, but you know what? It just seems like, unlike my friends that got their choice of colleges, unlike my friends who were able to graduate with the degree they wanted, unlike my friends who got a job in the area of their degree, none of those seem to work for me, so I'll just, I'll just take any job. And Lee and I and our friends said, Lacey, just, just let your heart rest for a while. You know, just... Walk with God, see what he's saying, get your heart back. And she, she was so weary. And so after she did that, and after a period of time, she went to a temp agency and she said, you know, I just, can you, can you find me work? And they had her go out and interview as a temp person with an organization, a, a, another nonprofit that does, nationwide does what they call a wraparound program. So they help families that have adopted kids with those adopted kids that have behavioral problems. And so this organization comes and wraps around the child and the family to say, let us help you. Mentoring, training, resources, in every way we can, we come around. So anyway, they, they met Lacey, they interviewed her, and right away they said, we want to hire her. We love this girl, so they hired her. And then she started mentoring this one girl who had pretty severe behavioral problems because the parents, if, if this organization doesn't come in, the, the, the kids will go somewhere else or they'll go to jail. I mean, and so 
she, my daughter started, our daughter started working with her, and this girl fell in love with Lacey right away, just fell in love with her. And the parents fell in love with her. And then all of a sudden, they started seeing all these changes in this girl. And so did the school. And the organization was saying, wow, Lacey is remarkable. So she, and then she went from being a mentor to what they call a parent partner, right? Even getting closer to the parents and working with them. Then they came to her and they said, we want to hire you full-time. We don't want you with a temp agency. We want to hire you full-time. And so now she actually works with the mentors and the parent partners as a caseworker. Isn't this fascinating? She wanted to go into social work. The school system wouldn't allow her, and now she's doing social work in an organization where she can say what she wants to say. She can minister to them the way she wants to. Such an amazing story, right? It was just... It was just a little further, just a little more, right, for her. But she almost gave up out of weariness. And this is so true of our own life and our own walk with God. We often miss the undeniable work of God because we give up too soon. All of us. This is our temptation. 2 Thessalonians 3.13. Again, let me read this again. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Never tire of doing what is good. Weariness is the deterrent to waiting for the harvest. But the real danger is giving up. Weariness is the gateway to giving up. Right? That's why to be so careful that we don't become weary. There is so much more at stake with the good things that God has want, wants you to do than you know. Because we live in mystery, right? I can, I, I can look at this and go, um, you know, the good deeds, the things that are on my heart to do, I don't know that it affects very much, that it means much. There is far more at stake than, than we have ever come to understand, that if we don't do this, something else may not happen. And that's why he says, just don't grow weary in that. Don't give up, because in the proper time, you will reap a harvest. So how do we do that? How do we... This is really the question. How do we not become weary in doing good so that in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up? How do we do that? So let me give you an example of two churches, two gatherings, two communities that were pursuing good. The first one is the church of Ephesus. And it reads like this. This is Revelation 2.2. 2. The Spirit of the God was speaking to this church and said, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and you have not grown weary. And then verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first, your first love. You see, this church was holding on for the good. They were working hard. They were persevering. They weren't growing weary. They were holding on for the good, but they weren't holding on to the good. See the difference? Because they lost their first love. That was the good. They weren't holding on to the good, but they were holding on for the good. These things we ought to be doing. And God called them out and said, but you've lost, you've let go of the one thing you have to hold on to, that the second thing is dependent on. So let's put that in contrast to the church of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 1.3. 1 
We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See the contrast there? They were holding on for the good. They were working hard. They were laboring. They were enduring. But they were holding on to the good, right? Jesus Christ in faith, hope, and love. That's the difference about between those two gatherings of people, those two groups of believers. So, how do we do that? How do we hold to the good, but also for the good? Well, the first thing is this. Because of the nature of mystery, which we all live in, and weariness, the first thing is we have to respond to Jesus' invitation. His invitation in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Lee and I first came to Colorado Springs 35 years ago, we first started at uh, Woodman Valley Chapel Church. And in their, I was going to say their original building. The original building was just a little building. It was actually a barn at one time. But the next one they built called the Stone Chapel, if you've ever been in there, on the front, they have these words, the, the words that I just read that Jesus said about, um, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I remember every time we'd go to church and I would read those words, I could feel how, how um, burdened and weary I was. And it was that constant invitation of, okay, I am tired, Jesus. I'm coming back to you. I need you to give my heart rest. So how many times do we hear this invitation and do it? Again and again and again. This is the, Christian, this is the walk with God. We just keep coming back, right? We hear his invitation and say, I come back because we all experience weariness. So one, we take his invitation again and again and again. Number two, let me read Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Hold unswervingly to the hope you profess. For he who promised is faithful. Consider how you may spur others on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Several things hit me about this is one, we need to hear each other profess our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That is the power of story. We need to hear stories of not growing weary, holding on in the timing of God for the harvest. Isn't it amazing to hear someone's story of someone that you know, you prayed for forever, and then at this point, they came to Christ. You just needed to hear, like, after all that, they did come to Christ. God changed your life. After all this, they were healed. After this, their marriage changed. After we need to hear those stories, right? We need to profess our confidence, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to each other, because that's when we go, I am not going to go weary in well-doing, because I understand it will, a harvest will come. We so need to do that. We need to hear those turnaround stories, those comeback stories, those life-out-of-death stories, right, where we hear about hearts restored, relationships restored, 
fulfilled hopes, healing, love, life, freedom, joy. So many years ago, um, Lee gave me an idea, and she said, what if you recorded the lives of certain people? You called it um, Legends of the Call, similar to the movie Legends of the Fall, but this is Legends of the Call. And she said, you really captured their life, what they went through walking with God and, and the harvest that they've seen. And, you know, what did they experience they did not expect, both hard and good? How did God come through? What were the attacks and this kind of thing? And, and uh, you know, Lee comes up with ideas. I just try to work them out after a while. And it takes me a long time. So years after she said that to me, I finally sensed like the Lord gave me an idea and said, now it's time to do this. It's time to move forward. And so uh, the first person I thought of was Nicky Cruz, right? Here is a man who the harvest of his life is phenomenal, and he's a man of humility. He walks humbly with others. He walks with God gently. He loves him dearly. He has gone through so much. So we recorded him, and uh, in fact, Michael helped me as well. And so I just want to invite you. Here's one of these comeback stories. Here's one of these stories you go, God, it's amazing how he comes through in his time. So I just want to invite you for a minute. If you go to thenobleheart.com, thenobleheart.com, and then look under resources, and right there is Legends of the Call, watch this because it's just phenomenal. He's such a, an amazing, dear man. So I just want to encourage you. There's a comeback story. And then we have some comeback stories, some really amazing stories on our website, for the Springs Church, you know, that Ryan and others have done. So the power of story is so important. We need to hear these stories. But the other thing we see in this verse is calling people out of weariness, right? Spurring one another on. We need to call each other out. And it's fascinating that in Galatians 6, 2, remember we've been talking about Galatians 6, 9, but in 6, 2, a few verses above, it says, carry each other's burdens... And then in 6.5, it says, each one should carry their own load. Isn't that interesting? Carry each other's burdens, but each person has to carry their own load. Let me give you an example that I think is such, it really, it really explains what does he mean by that. And it's a story you're probably very aware of, but let's look at this again. This is out of Exodus 17.8 with Moses. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Re-Edim. Uh, Re so Moses said to Joshua, <clears throat> choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. So Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus, his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. First of all, only God knows, truly knows, what the weighing in the balance is about your doing good deeds, good things. He's the only one that knows. Because he can look at your life and say, 
If he or she does this, then this is going to occur. I need them to not go worry and do it. But, but most of the time, we just don't see it because we live in mystery. We don't see it. But what we do know is not to grow weary, right? Because our labor will not be in vain. What I love about this, going back to that verse, is they came along with him. They didn't carry his load. They did not hold that, the staff of God up. Only Moses could do that. But they held his arms up because he was holding the staff of God. We need to do that for each other. When our hands, our heart becomes heavy, we need to come alongside each other and say, how can I hold you up right now? I can't take your load, but I can hold you up. I will do that. Now, there are times when we, take, when we go, you know what, you're tired, never mind, just let me do it. And that will take a person out right there. That's causing them to give up. You don't want to do that with people. Now, let me say one other thing. A few other things. Do not make others weary. Right? We are not to become weary, but we have to be careful. We don't make other people weary. And you know how we do that? Is we become fault-finding. We become critical. We become, we complain. We demand. We suggest one more thing they ought to be doing. Right? That's how we make people weary. We've all experienced it, and we've all done it. And may I say for a minute, as an elder of this church, our staff works so hard on doing good things for others because they want to see reap a harvest, right, with the youth, with the adults, yes. They work so hard. And I'm telling you, it is so easy to make them weary by saying, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done this. Here's another idea. You need to get this going. You need to do this. I'm saying to you, I'm saying to myself, because I've done this, be very careful. Don't make them weary. Because they're right on the edge all the time with so much of their heart and their life that they give to others. Let me ask the worship team to come up as I share a few more thoughts about this. And you, you've heard the expression, right? Some people bring joy wherever they go. And some people bring joy whenever they go. We don't want to be those people. That joy enters the room and we leave the room, right? We want to bring joy and lightness. And how can I help you? I'll build you up and encourage you and help you not become weary. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I want to read this again. We've already read this, but I'm going to read it again. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so let me say again, as an elder and representing the elders, we're, we don't want you to become weary. Please don't become weary. We want to help you not be weary. You are so important what you're doing and us doing it with you. We don't want you to grow weary. Keep doing the good that God has put before you. So with this in mind, with this in mind, I want us to intentionally and passionately get back in the game if perhaps we have lost heart. In fact, just let me ask you for a moment. I want you to think about if you haven't already. Is there a place in your life where you have become weary? Or you are in danger of becoming weary and you know it. You're just right there. Just for a moment, if you haven't been thinking about it, I just want to give you a moment to hear God and hear your heart. Have you grown weary somewhere 
or are you about to? So just ask God, try to hear his voice in your heart for just a moment. So with that in mind, and, and it, it, just keep praying if you want, keep listening, but with that in mind, I want us to, like I said, intentionally and passionately, maybe kind of get back in the game again on these things and speak the name of Jesus over what came to you, right? That, that burden, that compelling, that, that good deed that you've become weary in. Let's sing that song again where we speak the name of Jesus over it. Okay, let's, that's how we come over weariness. So let's stand together. And if you want to come up in front and sing that out loud, come on up. But let's speak the name of Jesus over those good things that God has given us and proclaim that, break weariness or giving up and do that together. And then I'll come back up and we'll pray some more. Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.